God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Antonelli. Thank you to the leadership for this wonderful opportunity to be here with you. Um, we were trying to figure it out. I think it's more than 10 years since Peter and I visited here. And um, we just felt this incredible dedication here to the Word of God, the truth of God, and the fulfillment of the commission that he's given us. We were intercepted by God, honestly intercepted. We were tobacco farmers. We were making good money. We were doing, taking every challenge that came our way. And suddenly, something intervened in our lives. And it was a total Damascus Road experience. We didn't know anything but Jesus is my Lord. And if he's my Lord, and if that's what I've prayed, then I better let him be Lord. And if he's Lord, he knows a lot more than me, and he's going to lead and guide me into all truth and into the plan that he has for my life. It certainly wasn't the plan I had for my life. I had grown up very spoiled. I had everything. But you know what? There's an emptiness amongst those who have everything. And I found the pearl of great price, something of such immense value that goes way beyond any possession, any lifestyle. I didn't know what God had planned for us. I think had I known, I would probably have run the opposite way because it's been quite a frightening road. And that's why I love the opportunity to address especially students because the road ahead can be really frightening. The road ahead can be so different from what you might plan for your life. But he's going to ordain the path that you walk in. And by the grace of God, he will divinely enable you for every task that he sets before you. I'm honored today, after 40 years in ministry, to be able to say that. Because every move, every adjustment, every change is a challenge. It's not comfortable. It takes you out of your comfort zone. And you wonder, where is this going? How can I do it? Well, you can't. He can. He can. And he's large enough within us to divinely enable us for whatever it is. So I'm really honored to be in the position that I am today and to be in front of you but I want to just start with a video that tells you a little bit about the history of our organization. Because in a few minutes, it's going to tell you in five minutes more than I can tell you in 55 minutes. But what I can tell you about me is that I am passionately driven with determination and compassion. Those are ingredients that pulsate in my heart every single day. Yes, driven, because those qualities need drive, compassion, determination. I'm a mother of six children and used to wonder when God called us how he would ever provide for our six children. I argued with him. I said, Lord, why don't you call people who are unmarried? Why don't you call people who haven't got children or can't have children? Why don't you call people whose children are already raised? Do any of you ever argue with him? 
Not always a good idea, but you do get answers. And he gave me a picture, and I saw this massive crowd of people. As far as the eye could see, I saw people. And he said to me, these are the children of my workers that I'm providing for. And I looked at my six compared to that, and I thought, what am I worried about? You know, if we will always go to God and just ask him the questions, we're allowed to ask the questions. And the amazing thing is the way he puts it in perspective. You worrying about six when I'm capable of providing for millions? Shift happens within us. And those shifts are extremely important. The paradigm moves within us are indicators of the growth path that we are on, going from glory to glory, one step at a time, one challenge at a time. So we started out preaching the gospel. Peter was distributing Bibles before he knew how to preach. He wasn't an eloquent speaker at all. He used to mutter and mumble. Um, so he didn't come with natural gifting, but God divinely enabled him because of the passion that was driving in him, saying, people have to hear this message. It's changing our lives, and it's not for us alone. It's for the whole world. So we started on our tobacco farm with our tobacco workers in the tobacco barn with tobacco moved to one side so there was room for the people to sit on rustic benches, preaching the gospel that he heard that morning in our local church and repeating it from his little notes that he took in church, a second-hand gospel message on a tobacco farm. And we started to see lives changed, dedication to the Lord, the gospel was at work. We started to see healing take place. We started to see people slain in the Holy Spirit, which we didn't know what it was. So we were quite concerned. And there have been many times that there are concerns with the things that we see because we wonder, is this God? Could it be God? And that's where a friend like Sylvia Evans has been amazing. Somebody who knows the word so well. Somebody who understands ministry so well. And the friendship and the connection that we've had. There have been so many times that I've called on Sylvia and said, do you think this is okay? Does this actually happen? And within seconds, she'll give me the biblical explanation of where it happened before, to whom, and how, and what the outcome was, and I get a Bible study through that. But what it does for me is it says, it's okay. It's okay. God's at work. He's done it before. This is not unique. As long as we know it's God, we're allowing his lordship to rule and reign. So if we can just watch the little video now, thank you so much, um, as a little introduction to the, the birthplace of our humanitarian work. And I want you to know that I'm to Peter us... Pretorius. 29 years ago, I was in this very spot in a very different situation. This is the village of Pombara, which is in Inyamban province of Mozambique. In 1984, this was a distribution center. People came in from the whole area around. In fact, some of them walking for well over 150 kilometers to get here in various stages. 
of starvation. This is also the village to which I was brought by government to see the problems that were going on. I was supposed to come here for one day. And when the aircraft left in the morning, he said he had to go and refuel somewhere. And he'd be back at five o'clock and I needed to be at the airport at exactly five o'clock. I was pleased to go back at five. I had a, such a traumatic day. Even in that first half day I was here, more than 18 people starved to death. I never seen anybody starved to death. I never seen people in this kind of condition. I mean, it struck me to the very depth of my heart what these people were struggling with. And yet I, I was pleased to be thinking I'm leaving. And I got to the airport and there was no airplane arrived. Eventually it was dark and there were no lights. So we knew they're not coming. I tried to sleep in the hotel in town that night, but it was so awful I decided to come back to this village. I spent 10 days here sleeping under a bush, just like everybody else. Some nights terrified because Renama was in the area and we could hear the rapid, uh, you know, automatic rifle fire that sounded so close and yet it was probably some distance away. I spent time with the people, hearing their hearts, hearing what they'd been through. And then in the middle of that week, an old man came stumbling across this clearing here. And this used to be a very big tree that was standing in the clearing. It was a cyclone that blew it over. And I took the old man and brought him to the base of this very tree. And I sat him down, told him I'll go and get him some water. When I came back, he, was, he looked like he was sleeping. I shook him to wake him up. And his head fell to one side. He wasn't sleeping. He died while I was gone. I know something inside me snapped. I mean, I just couldn't handle the emotion that was going on in me. I, it was like the only, the only recourse I had was anger, and I shouted at God, standing in front of that dead man. I shouted at the top of my voice, and I shouted, God, I don't know how you feel. I only know how I feel and my heart is broken. I don't know if this is your will. Is it your will that people die like this? And I so distinctly heard in my heart the instruction I sent you here to help these people. I want you to help them. When I got home, my wife was so happy to see me. She thought I was dead or something. I was supposed to have been gone five days. I was gone one two weeks. And she said to me, what's wrong with you? Something's changed. I said, there's nothing wrong with me, darling, but something very big has changed. My whole heart's changed. My life's changed. You know, I said, I've either got to try and forget what I've been exposed to in the last 10 days, or else you and I need to commit our lives to trying to help these people and especially these children. I want to go back and make a home for those 320 orphans. I want to go back and bring food to these people. I want to make a difference. And that's where Jam was born. That's where Jam started, with nothing. And today, end of last year, we reached over a million recipients. Amazing what can happen if you dedicate your life and God helps you.
What confrontation. What an incredible experience. But what a great privilege. To experience that heartache, to experience people's suffering in that depth and that dimension with empty hands but full hearts. We knew God could help us and we pursued the fact that he would help us because he loves those people. He loves them so dearly. It wasn't what we planned. It wasn't what we thought we would be doing. How do you preach the gospel to dying people? You demonstrate that gospel with love, with compassion, with care, with clothing, with food, with housing, with agricultural development, with information, with education, and so it goes on, and so it goes on. And we've had the privilege of doing that for close to 40 years now, demonstrating the love that we came to know that pulsates in our hearts every single day. Peter said he was happy to feel he was leaving there. Well, physically, he came home, and thank God he did. But in his heart, his heart remained, and mine joined his. And we have teams now all over Africa whose hearts and hands and feet have joined us to continue reaching out. And in spite of COVID, by the end of last year, we reached 3.8 million people every day. Every day. It sounds like a big number, but I must tell you we are surrounded by numbers that are far greater than that. The ones that we haven't reached yet are crying, are weeping, are waiting for the multiplication that we need to undertake so that we can get to more and more and more people. I must tell you, it's fulfilling to serve the Lord. But satisfied? No, because we are continually surrounded by the need to expand and to do more, <coughs> both in the preaching of the gospel and in the demonstration of it through our humanitarian work. We have met the most incredible people. The life that I grew up in, in such isolation, in a protective cocoon of wonderful provision with parents who did the very best for me, which I will always appreciate. I didn't know what life was about, though. I learned what life was all about from those on the ground, from the people who take hands with us and serve with us, from the recipients, who many of whom were standing in a feeding line many years ago and today are serving with us as country directors in some of the countries in Africa. Isn't that beautiful? That's called fulfillment, not satisfaction. Because satisfaction only comes one day when we look back and we can say, I gave it my all, I did all that I could, and I celebrate the goodness of God through it. What God said to Peter was, do whatever you can do, and I will be with you. 
I've hung on to those words with many changes that have taken place in my own life. When my husband passed away, my greatest fear was that I would need to step into his shoes, big shoes to fill, very dynamic personality, opposite personality. How could I ever think of stepping into that role? But on that day, as he passed away, God spoke to me and told me, tend to the foundation and expand. Peter was the expand. I was the tend to the foundation. So I had a good starting point because of working in administration. So I did just that. The obedience to the leading of the Lord was to tend to the foundation, to see that if I was going to sail the ship, I needed to know that I was going to sail a clean ship with good administration, good procedures, good policies in place so that we were in a safe place. And I worked very hard on that initially. And then, as I mentioned earlier, when COVID hit, we actually hit the expansion. Because instead of reaching a child in a school with a bowl of food, we were now reaching out to the family of the child through the school with family packs and expanding into the communities. So COVID actually enabled us to reach a lot more people. While the world was talking with such negativity about COVID and businesses going under and many people died, and I'm sad about that. I'm not rejoicing in that at all. But it was a God-given opportunity for us to expand our work and to reach out to more people. One of the important things that has really worked strongly in me, and I have a separate message that I share on that, is seeking his hands but finding his heart. And so many of us often seek the, what the hand of God can do. The blessing, the anointing, the provision, all the things that come from the hand of God. And that's wonderful, and we need to seek every one of those. But we need to go beyond the hand and draw closer to the heart. Because if the heart of God is motivating us, that heart will take us where we don't want to go, where we never dreamed we would go, to expansion and taking us way beyond ourselves because the potential he sees in you is not the potential that you see in you. And it's very good for us to be in a place where our dimensions are expanding every single day as he takes us one step further and further and expands us. I'm very excited that I can share with you again tomorrow because... I've just touched on some of my notes, and there's so much more. Peter said something to me one day when I was really struggling with this expansion. I didn't feel I had the capacity to cope. My life was so busy, so full. And with a fast-growing ministry, two ministries that were expanding, there was just so much to do. And I got overwhelmed one day. And I said to him, Peter, I feel like I just can't cope. It's just got too much. And he sat and he looked at me and he said, do you know what your problem is? No, but perhaps you should tell me. <laughs> your problem is you need to become like a shifting wrench 
like an expanding wrench. Is that what you call it here? We call it a shifting spanner. A wrench. Well, I had to become a shifting winch. <laughs> and you know what happens when you turn the little wheel on this? I mean, I wasn't educated in this. I didn't grow up even knowing what this was or what it was called or what it could do. But my very practical husband helped me immensely by saying, this is your problem. If you just turn the wheel, you can make the adjustment that's necessary to have the tool that operates for whatever your need is. I've come to love this wrench because of what it stands for. And it's a constant reminder in these 40 years of ministry, this wheel of mine has had to turn many times, sometimes tighter, sometimes looser, but it's had to turn again and again and again. Comfort, I believe, is for one day when. Comfort right now? Where is God making adjustments in your life? Where is God challenging you to shift that wheel, to expand, to do more, to reach more? to be more effective, to be more dedicated, to surrender more, to allow more of God. All of these adjustments are for life on this earth, for him to be able to use us to expand and to reach those whom he loves with all his heart. And what an honor, what a privilege, what a fulfillment when he does use us to do exactly that.